Howdy, y'all. I'm Justin. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Cowboys Like Us, the podcast where we talk about Taylor Swift and her music. Yeehaw. Hello, and welcome back to Cowboys Like Us, the only podcast desperately attempting to raise money to fund a worldwide search for Bigfoot because we know that he is the only terrestrial being capable of harnessing the power of the Chaos Emeralds, which is humanity's only hope against the endless hordes of Varzalax, the squid lord of Lorgon Prime. We are back from vacation? <laughs> what? <laughs> We're back from vacation. <laughs> yep, we're back from vacation. Back on our bullshit. Some of us Some never of got us off. Are. Some of us are. Oh, uh, yeah. Some of us never got off. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, where were we? Where have we been? Well, we went to the beach. We did go to the beach. But I went to the beach more than you went to the beach. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you were down there longer. Yeah, that's not nearly as fun as our most recent escapades yes we went to atlanta yeah 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 and we saw fallout boy play at lakewood amphitheater yeah we also caught part of uh bring me the horizons set they were the direct support and we stumbled in during their set about halfway through their set yeah i liked it better than i thought i would same so i kind of wish i'd been there for the whole thing But but you live and you learn that's right I actually work with a guy who was there. He didn't know he was going to be there, but he he said he went he went for Bring Me the Horizon, and that was it. And he left. And I was like, we were making fun of people like you while we were parking. Yep, <laughs> they exist, and they're the worst. If you bought the ticket, you paid for the whole show. You might as well sit there and enjoy it. Yeah, you paid like concert tickets these days are not cheap. Yeah. So you paid a full concert ticket for a half of a concert. Yeah. Sit there and enjoy a soft pretzel, you know? Wild. It's not like, like, I don't know anybody in this world, and maybe we'll find them by saying this, but I don't know anyone who's like, man, Fallout Boy fucking sucks. Oh, they exist. <laughs> they exist. I mean, if you like Bring Me the Horizon, you probably are going to be okay sitting through most of a Fallout Boy show. Oh, no. No, that won't do, you see, because Bring Me the Horizon is real punk rock, oh, okay. okay? And Fallout Boy's some poser shit. Well. That's what the, <laughs> that's what your boy at work that's probably. how he feels, probably. Probably. But he also said, he's the one who said that um, Taylor Swift was overrated, and I asked him what year he's born. And then when he told me, I said, shh, 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 sh, no more talking. What year was it? Something absolutely ridiculous, like 2007 or something. 2007? Yeah. So he's 15? I might have to ask him again. Yeah, that'd be about right. I'll have to ask him again. 16. But whatever he said, whatever his birthday, it was after the year 2000. So, then, yeah, he doesn't count. Yeah, so I just immediately was like, shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. His his taste is garbage. But that's all young people. They're very contrarian. They got to be like, oh, I'm an individual. I don't like what's in the mainstream. Because I am so cool and hip and unique. Some never grow out of it. It's very sad. We won't name names here. Anyway, Ball Boy was great. Yep. Bangers only. You know, Uncle Pete gave a shout out indirectly to the the Swifties and said fucking make those friendship bracelets despite what Levi Stadium says yep <laughs> he said other stuff too but he said other stuff too but that's only the part that really mattered for it was something podcast. about you know art and lava boots and Sinead O'Connor <laughs> yeah what even is art really that's what that's what uh, the discourse was yeah his uh his analogy of uh the floor is lava and wearing lava boots really really got away from him there for a minute. I don't think anybody really knew where he was going. Yeah, it's sort of... That's how Pete does. <laughs> His lyrics are wild. And uh, thankfully he has Patrick to rein him in somewhat and put yep. it to music so it sounds better. Yep. <laughs> they put on a great show and they did not play Electric Touch, but not surprised because it's not their song. Yep. Still waiting for Taylor to bring Pat out and play it yep. at her show. All right. Yeah. Back from vacation and daddy misses sweet little pumpkins. So bad. Glad to be back. 
has been jonesing to record this podcast. I've just been working real hard on it. I feel good about it. This is going to be a great one, guys, so hang in. Strap in. Let's get the poll results, shall we? Oh yeah. Our superstar poll closed and officially uh, got a seven from the fans. Bigger than the whole sky closed as well, mm-hmm. and it got a nine. And then I feel like the general consensus is the one that we had of like, if the song didn't make me want to rip my heart out and stomp on it, it'd be a ten. <laughs> yeah, the mini sewed who made the best album. Kimberly won. What the fuck is up, S words? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, some uh, chicanery there because we all know mine was the best. Uh, Whatever you say. I came second, and uh, Madeline finished third. Shout out to Chef Blake for voting for me and not Madeline, because Madeline sucks. <laughs> All right. You have any other podcast or us stuff to talk about before we get into the news of the day? I don't know. I don't think so. All right. Well, then it's time for... Uh... News from around the Taylorverse. As we said, we were on vacation last week, so the Gold Rush episode was pre-recorded. But as we had predicted, Speak Now, Taylor's version, officially debuted at number one. And all 22 tracks on it made the Hot 100. The highest being I Can See You at number five, and the lowest being Superman at number 74. In addition, that week, Cruel Summer, Karma featuring Ice Spice and Antihero, also charted, which gave Taylor a full 25% of the chart, a full quarter wow. to herself. It's hard to imagine a more dominant sort of flex than that. <laughs> um, as a Superman fan, I'm absolutely offended that it is at number 74. It should be higher. Yep. We'll get to it, but we're both Superman truthers out here. No, that's just so offensive. But I can see you. I mean, I guess is like the closest thing to a single. For this album, right? Yeah. I don't think it's been like officially released as a single, but it got a music video and it's been definitely promoted. They used to call it a promotional single. Yeah. I don't know if they use that term anymore, but... Which I know her her era's tour set is already so freaking long that if you add anything else to it, it just grows and grows and grows. But I am curious as to why, because I can see you has really taken off. Everybody loves it. Why she hasn't added it to the set list, but I'm probably already answering my question as I ask it because, again, I don't really feel like it fits the vibe of Speak Now. Totally. It feels more like a Midnight song. Like, it fit in the Midnight's era of the show rather than the Speak Now big poofy ball gown. But if she ripped that skirt off her ball gown and had on, like, a one piece like situation like she has in most of the other eras and she just like broke into I Can See You I think that'd be so cool after Long Live well maybe maybe it'll happen one day I Can See You is definitely the horniest song (laughs) on Speak Now Taylor's version by Leaps and Bounds he's got a very sort of funky uh, little bass line in there slap at the bass so that's fun in other news concert etiquette is back on the radar this week Another person who got something thrown at them, mm-hmm. Lil Nas X. Uh, somebody threw a sex toy at him, and it missed. I'm not sure <laughs> which one I like better. A sex toy or the girl's mother's ashes. Yeah. Those are on the next level, but um, I think the sex toy is funnier. Yeah, if anyone is curious as to what type of sex toy is sort of a fleshlight uh, pocket pussy situation. Nice. <laughs> not something I think he's very interested in, but... Who knows? Yep, his direct quote was, who threw, who threw they pussy on stage? <laughs> no! That's amazing. Um, <laughs> in other concert etiquette news, Miranda Lambert had a incident in Las Vegas at one of her shows. She's currently doing a residency in Vegas. And uh, some of the concert goers were taking selfies, and Miranda saw it and was not thrilled. She stopped the show, pointed at the fans, and said, quote, I'm going to stop right here for a second. I'm sorry. These girls are worried about their selfie and not listening to the song. It's pissing me off a little bit. Sorry. I don't like it at all. We're here to hear some country music tonight. I'm singing some country damn music. Don't continually say sorry 
when, you know, you're being a turd. Yeah, the social media crowd were sort of divided. Most seemed to be critical of Miranda. Sort of, they paid their money and they bought their ticket, they can do whatever they want. As long as it's not, you know, disrupting the show. Which is where I tend to fall on it. But there were some riding for Miranda, some stands, as as is always the case. Claimed it was disrespectful, Tin Man's a sad song, whatever. Yeah, why aren't you respecting the art, man? Won't someone think of the art? But Miranda is a known party pooper, in fact. She has, over the years, caught and popped several beach balls that fans have brought in and started bouncing around, as is common at a lot of concerts. And she always says some variation of, we aren't at the beach, we're singing country music tonight. So, yeah, I don't know why she sees her own music and country music more broadly as something sacred and sort of, you know, like you're in church, you have to be very respectful. You can't pull out a beach ball in church and start bouncing it around. Although, if you could, I might want to go there. (laughs) (laughs) I might be more interested. Might be more interested. Yeah, couple of things. I agree that I think that if you paid the money to be at the show... I think you should stay for most of the show, as we mentioned earlier. But I also think that it's your money that you invested into it. And I understand from the artist's point of view, a lot of musical artists have said, like, I don't want to look out into a crowd and just see a bunch of phones staring back at me. So I get that. But if you're not distracting someone else and you're not obstructing someone else's view of the show, you should be able to do whatever you want. Yep. Just have fun, man. Yeah. I would also like to mention that a lot of the times, the beach balls and the things that are tossed into the crowd are provided by the venue. The venue, like, staff will be instructed to, like, blow them up and toss them into the crowd for, like, an extra little thing. Most of the time, the band or, like, the manager or whoever approves things knows it's going to happen. So, for her to be, like, grab the beach ball and then, like stab it and be like we're not throwing people like what do you mean (laughs) yeah also i don't know i should have done more research but uh i'm curious as to where she got the the pop the beach ball element does she carry a knife with her just in case she needs to pop something or scissors i don't know what it is no from the video i saw it looks like she walks over to like the platform that the drums are on or something and grabs like a cord like something pointy with yeah. something pointy on stage and just like stabs it in and rips it well there you go calm down miranda it's fine yeah you're being too loud <laughs> let people have fun speaking of having fun taylor is on the west coast at this point i believe she's in santa clara right mm-hmm. now and the mayor of santa clara officially uh, made a motion to re temporarily rename Santa Clara as Swifty Clara for the two days that she'll be there, uh, which passed, and name her the temporary mayor of the town, honorary mayor. So Yes, she's the honorary mayor of Swifty, Swifty Clara, and um, as mentioned before, Levi Stadium had the audacity to be like, oh, actually, you can't bring in friendship bracelets. Like, they were going to go through the process of stripping everybody of friendship bracelets, now, um, I'm not sure what everyone's speculation is on why they chose to say that or if they've said why they weren't going to allow them, but they have changed their minds, apparently, because the uproar was ridiculous. And this came after Santa Clara was like, hey, Taylor's our honorary mayor. And the backlash that Levi Stadium got on social media was like, the mayor won't be too happy about this. I know the mayor personally, and the mayor says it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A couple of other people were threatening to, like, you know, sacrifice themselves to security in order to allow other people to get in with their friendship bracelets, um, turning friendship bracelets into necklaces instead of bracelets, and then they can't take them away. Just the whole thing. I... Personally, like I said, I haven't heard why Levi Stadium decided that no friendship bracelets. My personal speculation is that they didn't want people um, like gaggling in the aisles and stuff for trading friendship bracelets just for a safety concern, which would make sense, but you're really not going to stop that from happening, so just shut up. But could be another reason. Not sure. Didn't hear anything about it, but I did hear from the pod gremlin today that Levi Stadium changed there minds on that and they are allowing friendship bracelets now yay 
Yeah. It seems to work fine at every other stadium, so clearly yeah. Levi Stadium was just on some bullshit. And they got punked out by the Swifty Hordes, as most people would have predicted would happen. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get into it with the Swifties, because they'll win. Always. Yep. In other news, are Scout Eras Tour tickets too expensive? Yes. Yes, they are. And the National Review has some thoughts on it. For those of you who may not know about the National Review, they sort of posit themselves as a enlightened centrism rag, but they are in fact a right-wing uh, publication. They're part of the conservative side that was anti-Trump, so yeah, they're weird. They're weird. I don't know where they fit in the modern political discourse, but they are... They're conservatives who are anti-Trump? Weird. Yeah. I remember seeing people like that. So they are out there, and that they are <laughs> their voices heard in the National Review. Anyway, right-wing magazine The National Review says that, in fact, it is Taylor's fault that these scalp tickets are so expensive. And the reason why is because Taylor won't embrace the free market. She is, in fact, artificially devaluing the price of her own tickets, which then encourages scalpers to buy them and then charge the actual value, the free market value, to the secondary market. And, according to the National Review, if she were to raise the prices to their actual value, she could make that money herself, cut out the middlemen, and then sort of give out some bad seats to the poors, you know, sort of a lottery-style situation, and just be a real hero. So, maybe you should read that article, Taylor, you know? They got some, they got some thoughts. I'm going to be real, real with you. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I failed econ in college twice. <laughs> and the last time, I only passed because the professor gave me a pity C. So you really started talking about free market and things like that, and I zoned out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> so Taylor charged like $130 face value for some of her tickets, and those same tickets are being purchased. Right. And then resold for like $5,000. Right. So their free market value then, assuming that they are sold at 5000 is 5000 or even higher than that. So, so they're just saying Richie Rich should take her money and buy the tickets for us poors and give it away, basically. That's right. Yeah. Embrace the free market. Let the free market solve the problem. Just what conservatives always say about everything. It's the same answer as always. Instead of, you know, regulating Ticketmaster or busting their monopoly or, you know... Doing the job that governments are intended to do. Right. Just let it, you know. Yeah. Let, the, free, let the market take care of it. Ticketmaster went to Congress because of this issue that was Taylor's fault, according to them. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the government shouldn't be making laws and shit and limiting businesses, okay? Businesses should be able to business as business. Necessity. Capitalism. Heard. <laughs> Capitalism is good. That's what the National Review really likes. So, good on them. Ugh, bunch of pieces of shit. This is why I failed economy yeah. twice. <laughs> so, in happier news, the Taylors Lautner talked about Taylor Swift and back to December on their podcast, The Squeeze. Yes. Female Taylor Lautner said, <laughs> I don't know a better way to say Lady Tay. <laughs> Lady Tay said, back to December is a testament to you, male Taylor Lautner, as a human. Mm-hmm. You are that human that she talks about. It's a banger. It's a good song. It's a nice song. Nice song. I also like that it's the one nice song, and it's about my husband. Isn't that nice for, for Lady Tay? I like Lady Tay and Werewolf. That's what we're calling <laughs> Well, the werewolf then said about introducing his wife to Taylor Swift. He said it was great. I know on paper it sounds like a tough situation. But not once was I ever worried about it, because we're confident in our relationship. My wife is the coolest, chillest person ever. Blonde girl Tay is the sweetest human being on earth. So it kind of was just a perfect situation. <laughs> they call her blonde girl Tay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they're just nice people out here having a good time. You love to yeah. see it. Again, I'm going to say this a bajillion times every time I think about it. But Taylor Lautner <laughs> is the best boyfriend. Taylor Swift has ever had. And Taylor, Lady Taylor, <laughs> Lady Tay, is probably one of the luckiest women in the entire world um, for snagging 
the werewolf. He's just a good person. He was well cast as a werewolf because he is, in fact, a golden retriever of a man. Yes. So. <laughs> he is. Just out here having a good time. He's just so genuine and kind. In other news, the famous Swifties Club continues to expand. Mr. Pedro Pascal and Mr. Eddie Vedder both spotted at shows. Yes. And much like Jack Antonoff, the pod gremlin had absolutely no idea who Eddie Vedder was. <laughs> despite him okay. being... I will give you the defense that the gremlin would give themselves, which is they are very, very, very bad with celebrities and celebrity faces. So, although they were not aware that Eddie Vedder was part of Pearl Jam, they are aware of Pearl Jam's music and discography. (laughs) That being said, Eddie Vedder is to Pearl Jam as Kurt Cobain was to Nirvana. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. The Gremlin is bad. (laughs) But I'm just saying that would be their defense if they were here to defend themselves. So I might as well give it to you. (laughs) I've already roasted them today about it. Also, Mr. Travis Kelsey, tied in for the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, tried to give Taylor his number via friendship bracelet, uh, but he was unsuccessful and was, quote, butthurt about it. So I don't know if I love this or hate this. Like, (laughs) part of me wants to be like, Travis Kelsey, stay stay away from Taylor, please. But then also, like, I kind of ship it. Mm. But then also, like, stay away from her. You know, I go back and forth. (laughs) I feel like he's just a little too playboy. Yeah, he's kind of a loose cannon. I don't know that it's... But he is also hot, so I don't know. It's it's her life, but I I don't know. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> not off to a good start. I feel like he has other ways of getting his number to her, though. It's not. No, oh, I'm sure. He's famous. She's famous. Like, come on. Yeah. Just ask Pat. Have Pat. your have your people <laughs> call her people. I think Pat Mahomes is like a half billionaire, so he's he's got money. He, yeah. He knows how to get it there. Also, in the pearl clutching arena. <laughs> The Guardian says that Taylor's chart dominance, while very good for her, of course, is actually bad for music. Won't someone think of the music? Because, you see, here's the thing. Back in the Guardian's day, people made music from the heart. But now they make it from a playbook, a sampled, recycled, sort of superficial garbage, according to The Guardian. And they won't stand for it. They've had about as much as they can stand, and they can't stand no more. So watch out, Taylor, because they're coming for you. Back in the Guardians day, everybody who had a song out got one song on the chart, and you you liked it, and you showed up. There was this none of this chart domination. You can't have more than one chart, or more than one song charting, as I was trying to say. Yep. It's not as if back in the 60s, when pop music as we sort of understand it sort of emerged. It's not as if the Beatles had like 20 other bands who were also British and who made the same music as them but not as good came over and it was called the British Invasion. It's not like that happened. So this is a completely new phenomenon uh, and it's a problem, okay? It's a problem, you know? Don't worry about global global warming. Don't worry about the increasing rise of fascism, particularly online. And don't worry about anything else. Aside from Taylor winning too hard at music. Oh, speaking of Taylor running amok. Are y'all tired of news yet? (laughs) You're going to hear more. I will do news until you're sick of it. (laughs) We're almost through, though. (laughs) Yep, we can do whatever we want. Taylor was sued a couple years back over her lover booklet that came with the vinyl, I believe. Sold as a uh, promotional thing. Had some diary entries and doodles and such. And a woman named Teresa Ladart sued her, claiming that it plagiarized her self-published book of poetry that came out in uh, 2013, I believe. And Ladart decided to drop the suit yesterday, and it appears that it was pretty flimsy in the first place, and she probably realized she was going to lose, and if she had lost, she would then be responsible for repaying Taylor's legal fees which could have been in the tens of thousands of dollars, potentially even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the lawsuit claimed that Taylor had borrowed a number of visual elements from Ladart, including, quote, pastel pinks and blues, and an image of the author 
photographed in a downward pose. She also claimed a copyright to the book's overall format, including a, quote, recollection of past years memorialized in a combination of written and pictorial components and, quote, interspersed photographs and writings. So if you ever <laughs> write anything down about things that have happened to you and include pictures... This woman will sue you. That's right. She was the first and only to ever do it. That is so fucking vague. And also, photographed in a downward pose. What does that mean? I don't know. Laying it, down? It sounds like she's doing the downward dog. Yeah. <laughs> and like pastel pinks and blues. You can't own colors. Yeah. You are not. You don't have copyrights on pastel pink and blues. No. It was a silly, frivolous lawsuit and it was rightly thrown out. Well, not thrown out. It was a... Uh, Dropped by the woman on advice of counsel, I'm sure. We can't win. Let's get the hell out of here. All right. I think that's it for news. Huzzah! Let's go to Chart Watch. In the Billboard Artist 100 this week, Taylor remains at number one in the Billboard 200 Albums chart. Beat Now TV kept its spot at number one. Midnight's rose one spot to number four. Lover rose one spot to number six. Folklore stayed at number ten. 1989 came up two spots to number 17. Reputation came up three to number 18. Red TV dropped four spots to number 22. Fearless TV dropped five to number 28. Evermore dropped two spots to number 40. Speak Now, the stolen version, the original Speak Now, is at 151, which is down 84 spots. Good. Yep, it should be off the chart uh, this coming week. And then the debut is at 159, down 21 spots last week when we weren't here. The Hot 100 singles, Cruel Summer is up one spot at number eight. Karma with Ice Spice down one to 11. Antihero is up one to 19. I Can See You dropped 28 spots to number 33. Wow. Enchanted dropped 46 spots to number 65. Back to December dropped 60 spots to number 76. Mine dropped to number 81, down 66 spots. And Sparks Fly, Dropped 73 spots at number 95. So, basically, uh, aside from possibly I Can See You, it looks like all the Speak Now TV songs will be out of the chart next week. Yeah, it seems like even though the album itself is still staying up high, the heavy hitters are not getting as much play. Yeah, that's kind of how it was with the uh, with the other Taylor's versions. They all debuted on the chart and then they dropped out because they just don't get enough play each week, singularly, one one song to stay right. up there. And now I think it's time that we go back to that magical land that you all know and love, Kimberly's Clown Corner. Kimberly's Clown Corner! Kimberly's Clown Corner. What's up, bitches? <laughs> <laughs> this week's trip to the clown, to, the, to my corner, under my street lamp. It's titled Clowning on 1989 <laughs> because you guys would probably get in 1989. We're out here doing some real clowning this week. There's been a lot of shit happening and we're gonna go over it but I think we're getting it soon. Soon, soon, soon. Like announcement this weekend or next weekend. So let's get into it. My sources all come from TikToks so I'm going to just tell you all the TikToks to go check out all the accounts. So we got Swifty Sweetheart, 13 Ty Wilson, Nikki King 23, and Nick's My Name. Those are all of their TikTok handles. All of them are very good. Taylor if you're Swift not following Taylor. them, then what the hell are you doing? Yes, definitely should be. Also, they should follow us. Shout out. Mm. <laughs> okay, so today of this recording is Friday, July 28th. I forgot what the sentence did for. <laughs> <laughs> July 28th. Taylor is in Santa Clara for her first night there tonight. Two nights in Santa Clara, tonight and tomorrow night. Okay, so yesterday, Thursday, July 27th, all hell broke loose. Because within 30 minutes, Taylor changed all of her social media profile photos and cover photos back to midnight promos from Speak Now, Taylor's version. Making Speak Now, Taylor's version, the shortest promo stint of Taylor Swift's career thus far. Also within this, she unpinned the Speak Now, Taylor's version announcement post on Instagram and Swifties were able to see on Instagram that she has a hidden 
scheduled post on Instagram. So when you have a scheduled post or like a hidden post, when you, I think it's when you Google the Instagram, it'll tell you how many posts they have, including the hidden ones. And then when you click on the account, it shows you how many visible ones. So if the numbers are different, then you know that they have one scheduled or hidden. So hidden post, all speak now Taylor's version promo is gone and we are back to the Midnight's era. Poor K. Many Swifties are speculating that we might be getting the 1989 Taylor's version announcement this weekend at one of the Santa Clara shows or it could be in preparation for the announcement to come at the final U.S. tour date which is August 9th or 8-9, which has been speculated to be the 1989 Taylor's version announcement or release pretty much since the beginning of the Eras tour. So either she's preparing for that or we're actually getting the announcement this weekend, maybe an album drop on 8-9. We'll see. Although that is a Wednesday, so it'd be a little weird, but we'll see. So here's the evidence triggering this clownery. There have been tons of Easter eggs about 1989 Taylor's version coming after Speak Now Taylor's version for the entirety of the tour, sprinkled into the tour itself, and also in the I Can See You music video, a lot of things pointing to 1989 being next. However, the newest piece of evidence that popped up around the same time as Taylor changing all of her social media over is that a UK record store called Vinyl Attraction. The owner um, released this, a, or released some info to a customer that they had been sent pre-orders, like to sign up for pre-orders, because record, record stores can sign up for pre-orders of vinyls so they can get their shipments in enough time for release date. Right. So he released info to a customer stating that pre-orders for a new Taylor Swift album were released on July 25th, and the album release was set slated for October. Oh boy. So, 1989 originally was released in October, on October 27th of 2014, which is a Friday this year. But also a Friday this year is October 13th. And obviously 13 is a big number for Taylor. It's also Friday the 13th, a straight up monster day. Watch it's out. also my mom's birthday. <laughs> so one of the TikTokers that I talked about, Ty, he stated his theory, which is as follows. October 13th is within the same week as October 10th or 10-10, which double dates need to be watched with Taylor Swift. Nine weeks before 10-10 is the end of the Taylor Swift Eras Tour. Or, sorry, the <laughs> it's the end of the U.S. leg of the Eras Tour. Right. So, August 8th and August 9th, or 8-8 and 8-9. Also separated by that nine-week measurement to the day is 7-7, so July 7th, when Ta uh, Speak Now Taylor's version was released, and 5-5, May 5th, when Speak Now Taylor's version was announced. So, if she announces 1989 on 8-9, it will be exactly nine weeks until 10-13, and she could announce that as the release date. So that's most of the clownery, but a little side clownery, related but not related, but also related. Mm -hmm. Selena Gomez, is that you? Selena Gomez owns a makeup line called Rare Beauty, and they have sent out a PR, or not a PR, multiple PR packages to um, various influencers, including invites to attend the Thursday, August 3rd LA show of the Eras Tour. So TikTok creator Nick speculates that Taylor might drop a red lipstick to coincide with the release of 1989 for that red lip classic thing that you like. <laughs> Why not do it as a collab with her best friend? It's been widely speculated that Selena Gomez may make an appearance on a 1989 vault track since she and Taylor Swift's friendship was so prevalent at the time of 1989, the stolen version and its release. So probably getting an announcement for 1989, if not this weekend, next weekend, and or next week, well not next week, two weeks from now, and or getting a red lipstick from Taylor Swift when the album comes out. So all exciting stuff. Yes, indeed. The, first off, I hope very much you are right, and then we get 1989 this year, 
because it's one of my top uh, top albums of hers, and I have not listened to it since the Masters controversy because I am a true fan. Anyone who has listened to it is, in fact, a phony. <laughs> and then secondly, just wanted to say, this is what I envisioned it as. The Clown Corner, we finally, we really got there. We've achieved the vision, and I just am very happy about that. I feel like we did it too when I uh, my did my little speculation on Speak Now getting extra tracks and then I was right but I was wrong. That was, yeah, that was. It was sort of an appetizer. This is an entree. I like okay. this a lot. All right. All right. Let's leave the corner. And let's get into the song facts. What song is, are we talking about today? Did we mention it? I don't know. Last week or this week? This week? Uh, I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Well... Then here it is. We are talking about Fearful. Oh, no, sorry. (laughs) Fearless, which you probably know uh, if you clicked on this episode because it's in the title. All the tracks are in the title. Unless you just love it so much that you just play it and you don't even read what the title says. You'd a real MVP if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably Christy. Shout out to (laughs) Christy. Big ups. So, Fearless was written... By Taylor Swift, Liz Rose, and Hillary Lindsay. Liz Rose, I believe we've talked about before on this podcast. Yeah. But she is a country music songwriter. Some of her other Taylor co-writes are All Too Well, You Belong With Me, Teardrops on My Guitar, and The White Horse. So, very influential on Taylor's uh, younger work, especially. And then Hillary Lindsay is a country music songwriter as well. And she frequently collaborates with Liz Rose. Uh, and... Hillary Lindsay has two Grammys for songwriting on Carrie Underwood's Jesus Take the Wheel and Little Big Town's Girl Crush. So, she makes pop country music. An ideal collaborator for Taylor's early work. Yes, sir. The original version of the song was produced by Taylor and Nathan Chapman, her go-to guy originally. Uh, And the Taylor's version was produced by Taylor... And Christopher Rowe. Nathan Chapman's replacement. <laughs> yep. Staying consistent with that. The original version of the song was a single, and it reached number nine on the Billboard Hot 100. Taylor's version was not a single, but it did reach number 71. What has Taylor said about this song? Anything? Are you going to be able to read this monologue without... Fucking up? I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, This is a song about the fearlessness of falling in love. No matter how many breakup songs you write, no matter how many times you get hurt, you will always fall in love again. When I wrote Fearless, I wasn't dating anyone. I wasn't even in the beginning stages of dating anybody. I really was all by myself out on tour, and I got this idea for a song about the best first date. I think sometimes when you're writing love songs, you don't write them about what you're going through at the moment. You write about what you would wish what you wish you had. I almost did it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so this song is about the best first date I haven't had yet. Yeah, you started off real strong. I know. Then, I was really getting confident and I fucked up. Uh, and then she also expanded on the meaning of the word fearless to her as a concept as it relates to this song and the album more broadly. She said, To me, fearless is not the absence of fear. It's not being completely unafraid. To me, fearless is having fears. Fearless is having doubts, lots of them. To me, fearless is living in spite of those things that scare you to death. Fearless is falling madly in love again, even though you've been hurt before. No matter what love throws at you, you have to believe in it. You have to believe in love stories and Prince Charming's and Happily Ever After. That's why I write these songs, because I think love is Fearless. And that's from the Fearless album booklet. That that quote kind of makes me sad. Yeah. She was so young, so naive, and the world disillusioned her like it does to us all. Yeah. She had just a pure heart of gold, and they destroyed it. (laughs) Yep. It happens to us all. Critical reception. What do the critics think? Do they like it? Do they hate it? Well... Guardian says our good our good friends friends of the pot mm-hmm. fearless has perceptive lyrics about universal truths that can be enjoyed at any age yep clash says a first kiss soundtrack i like that one yep short and to the point san jose mercury news says moms and daughters as well as groups of teens and couples out for a date night can sing along with equal gusto yep and Junkie said that it is captivating. 
and they ranked all the Fearless songs, and Fearless came in third behind just 15 and Love Story. And then NME called it brilliant, starry-eyed lyricism, and stellar instrumental arrangements. So, very positive. I couldn't find any negative reviews mm-hmm. of this song. People liked it, so that's good. What about the fans? Do they like it as well? Big Boy Rob! <laughs> <laughs> A favorite boy Rob! Ranked it 40th on his list, saying the title anthem gathers so many of her favorite tropes in one chorus. Rain, cars, fancy dresses, boys who stare at her while driving instead of watching the damn road. (laughs) Shy girls posing as brave and faking it till they make it and builds up to a swoon. But it soars even higher now in Taylor's version with all the adult soul in her voice. Yes, indeed. Speaking of our boy Rob... He recently updated his list to include uh, the Speak Now Vault tracks. Noise. So, when, spoiler alert, we get to one of those next week, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be on there. Nice. So that's fun. On r slash Taylor Swift on Reddit, they played Fearless Taylor's version Survivor, and Fearless the song finished number one out of all 26 tracks. That feels right. Yeah. That feels right. Yep. That's, uh, to me, it's indisputably top three. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the lowest I, I would think you could put it is a three ish. Personally, I have a different number one for the album Fearless, but it's also just like nostalgia plays into that a little bit. But I, I wouldn't dispute someone being like, Fearless is the best track on, on Fearless the album. I'd be like, I get it. Yep, I wouldn't argue with them. All right, on to the lyrics. Then, shall we? Right out the gate, I like the opening lines. There's something about the way the street looks when it's just rained. There's a glow off the pavement. Extremely vivid, extremely relatable imagery. As you want me to my car. Yep, I can see it instantly in my head. Paints a vivid picture of a first date. Uh, I know exactly what she's talking about. And I also think that it is a commentary on how young people in love can see the world. Sort of the rose-colored glasses that we were talking about in the in the booklet, yeah. you know, very idealistic. Uh, she's an, if she were an older and more cynical uh, Taylor, she might see it a puddle of water in a parking lot and think, "Ooh, <laughs> uh, it's gross." I don't want to get my shoes wet. Yeah, it's gross out here. I hope I don't step in this puddle. But to the speaker of the song, it adds an aura of magic to the date she's on. You know, yeah. the 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 glasses always half full. I think that's nice. And then onto the chorus. She says, And I don't know how it gets better than this. You take my hand and drag me head first, fearless. And I don't know why, but with you I dance in a storm in my best dress, fearless. Interesting. I don't think of love, particularly new love, as making me feel fearless. I feel extremely fearful. Yeah. Scared as hell. (laughs) Yeah. That I'll say something or do something wrong and I'll just drop it make a mess and break it mm-hmm. so to hear the way it makes taylor feel is interesting to me i don't really i don't know i don't get it but i like trying to imagine what it must be like yeah well kind of like her quote about what fearless means to her being like it kind of makes my heart hurt how naive she is about it yeah this is kind of like the song of like wow don't you wish this is what it was like but it really isn't yeah it does go back to that, uh, what she was talking about with what fearless means to her. Mm-hmm. Not the absence of fear. It's about the fact that true love is worth the fear. You go through the fear uh, in the hope of finding true love because it's worth it. And I think it's an interesting juxtaposition with last week's song, Gold Rush. In Gold Rush, the speaker sees a hot stranger, imagines the possibility of the whirlwind romance with them, and discards it right out of hand. Just says, nope, you know, not going to do it. Whereas this song is sort of the exact opposite. True love is worth everything. All the drama, all the heartbreak, all the everything. And so it's sort of a, what we were talking about, the disillusionment uh, that Taylor and that everyone experiences as they grow up and get hurt and, you know, experience real life. 17 versus 32, 30, 30. Yep. Once you go evermore. And you have to ask yourself is it just a commentary on how taylor has grown and changed or are uh, the speakers different is the speaker of fearless 
and the speaker of Gold Rush different people. Because, you know, theoretically they could be. We sort of assume and we talk about it as if Taylor is the speaker of every song, but she doesn't necessarily have to be. You know, she could be a fictional character in any song that she writes. So, something to think about. I think it's just sort of like what we were talking about, her growing and becoming disillusioned. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's more the speaker of Goldrush and the speaker of, the speaker of Fearless are the same person. It is just the person in Goldrush is like imagining like, what if I had Fearless with this person? No, that's lunatic, you know, that's lunatic talk. Yep. It wouldn't be worth it. I'll just sit here and drink my tea. All right, let's get to thoughts about the song. What do you think about it? My first thought I had, we listened to the song right before we recorded for one more refresher. We were both jamming out. And my first thought was, how can you not like this song? And like we said, with critic review and also with fan review, you know, nobody can. Nobody can dislike this song. It's such a good song. It's so fun. And it's, I feel like, one of her most pure country song Mm. from the early days like it's just a fun happy upbeat country song okay what a banger to open the album on it is one of her more solid openers for sure and um i don't know what you'd call it but i wrote bridge drop but I, i don't know what you call it but that part in the bridge where she like pauses and the guitar and the drums like come in oh yeah I don't know what you'd call that. But anyway, that shit, chef's kiss. Yeah, that is a great moment for sure. What are your thoughts? Well, I like this song a lot. Very high quality song. One of my favorites on the Fearless album, for sure. I do not ever skip it when I play through Fearless TV. It is, as we've said, very innocent, very idealistic uh, view of love, lyrically. But I don't think that's a bad thing, considering where Taylor was in her life at that time. Uh, And we see it again with, like, Hey Steven and love story, today was a fairy tale, etc. That's just kind of the kind of the motif that Taylor was working with at, the, at that time, sort of a fairy tale uh, romance mm-hmm. thing. Storybook theme. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was a cool thing. What do you rank it? Well, let's give it to the people. Let's give it to the people. For those who may have forgotten how this works. Oh, yeah. I was like, give what to the people? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it to the people. <laughs> <laughs> give it to Daddy's Little Pumpkins or whatever you oh, call them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> how our ratings work it's a one to ten scale one is very bad ten is very good five is very mid so what do you have it at so i i have a spreadsheet i'm going to be very transparent of all of my rankings and kind of like an initial ranking and then when we go through and do the podcast and i re-listen to it and i really analyze it and think about it if i feel like my ranking has changed i update it to keep track because i'm a planner i'm a triple virgo It's just who I am. Justin is chaotic and he does not do that. And it's going to bite him in the ass one day. But anyway, originally I had this song ranked at an eight. And then we listened to it right before the podcast. And I was sitting here thinking about it. And I couldn't stop singing. And I couldn't stop dancing. And I was like, damn, this song is a nine. And so I bumped it up to a nine. Okay. I actually did the exact same thing. Yep. I had it at an eight in the the show notes. And then Kimberly said, can we listen to it? One more time before we get Give it into one this. more listen. Yep, so we did, and I was like, damn, I gotta... <laughs> it's so fucking good. I got it good. too low, man. It's gotta yeah. go up. One I, was like, I was like, man, basically, and this is a little bit of a spoiler for future reference, but like, it's so far in the future. I actually don't know how far in the future it is, but you'll forget. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. So, I currently have Forever and Always ranked as a 10. It is my number one Fearless song because I fucking love that song. Great song. So I went and looked and I was like, I have Forever and Always at a 10 and I have Fearless at an 8. Fearless can come up to a 9 and not outrank Forever and Always. So we're good. I can confidently give it a 9. <laughs> yeah, see, like you said, I don't put that much thought into it. I just, it's all vibes, you know? Fuck it, we ball. Yeah. And, uh, I thought about it. I was like, eight is too low. I got to bump it up. And I was like, should I bump it all the way to 10? Yeah. I thought about it. I kind of had that thought too, but I was like, I know forever and always is a 10. And I can't, like in my heart, I can't give Fearless the same rating as forever and always because it is definitely higher in mine. Yeah. It's not my favorite Taylor Swift song. So yeah, I feel good about nine. It's a very solid nine for me. It's a great song. It's a great opener. Like you said. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That's so good. Such a good opener. And it's one of the first songs that I heard as sort of a high school boy that made me go, oh shit, you know, this this person might be actually talented instead of just like a novelty. Like, oh, look how young this girl is and she makes her own songs or whatever. That's how it was sort of presented, the first album. Yeah. And then this came, Fearless came out and I was like, oh shit. She might be around, you know? Yeah. She might have the ticket. Tim McGraw didn't really do it for you, but Fearless. Yeah. I gotcha. I um, liked Love Story, too, a lot. And You Along With Me. We'll get to them. But yeah. I was like, damn, these bang. So. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like on Fearless as an album as a whole, like, the heavy hitters, the ones everybody knows, those are the bangers. And then you go in thinking, like, oh, I love all the heavy hitters. And then you get some of those deep cuts and, oh, yeah, there's songs like change. <laughs> there are like, definitely some duds damn. on Fearless. Fearless, Ready For It, and Lavender Haze. I'm pretty sure those are my top three openers of Taylor albums. I would probably go... Not in that order, but yeah, those are my top three. The only one I would change is I would take Ready For It out and I'd put State of Grace in there. That's dumb. <laughs> it isn't, but okay. That's dumb because Ready For It is just amazing to open an album. It was so meant for a stadium. It sets up the whole tone of the album. You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> this is not a reputation is good, actually. I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> episode. We're going to get to those in due time. Uh, but for now, I think, I think we'll leave it there. What is our song for next week? When Emma Falls in Love. Yep. When Emma Falls in Love. Speak now to this version vault track. From the vault. We will get into all of that. Who is Emma? Why is she so so happy, you know? Why is she so good at love? <laughs> That's right. Why do we all want to be Emma? Why indeed. But for now, we will just say thank you so much for listening. Follow us on the social meets. Yeah. They'll be in the outro. Threads is popping. Threads is popping. Get in there. Slim Jim. Oh, shout out Slim Jim. Shout out Slim Jim. Slim Jim followed us today. If you like Slim Jim's. Get you some Slim Jims. I was going to say, Slim Jim, if you're listening. Send us some Slim Jims. Yep, we will be your, we will allow you to be our corporate sponsor. Cowboys Like Us, presented by Slim Slim Jim. Jim. Yeah, (laughs) oh, absolutely. The pod gremlin would lose their freaking mind if that happened. Just crapping everywhere. Get at us. Anyway. (laughs) Hit us up. Yeah, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cowboys Like Us. Follow us on Twitter at CowboysLike underscore pod and Instagram at CowboysLike Us underscore pod. New episodes every Monday on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Y'all come back now. You hear?